can I say won't give it up? Marcus Rushmore, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for coming by. Glad to be here again. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The first time was after a hang at the Womack. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had, you had, was that, that wasn't the first sad, what, what, I'm sorry, what is it called? Uh, sad Songwriter Night. Sad Songwriter Night at yeah. the Womack. Mm-hmm. And we rolled up, and and uh, turns out you are very familiar with Steph's work, mm-hmm. and have known her for a long time. See, si. so we invited you back to the crib, and uh, we've been uh, rapping ever we, since. We talked about why it's called Sad Songwriter not, Night <laughs> and not Emo Night. I think. <laughs> yeah, we 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 really put the defining bumpers <laughs> up on that. <laughs> well, I want to talk more. About that, but let's mm-hmm. start at the beginning. Sure. You grew up in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Can you share any early musical memories? Um, maybe a record uh, that was being played in the house or, or something on the radio or just something where it caught your attention and it inspired you? Mm. Um, I think mine goes the other way. My like... I call her a rarepist. Some people find that funny. Some don't. A therapist that I see rarely, so I call her a rarepist. Um, <laughs> she would say that I'm like resentment driven, um, or I'm like tally or takeaway driven as a person. So hmm. uh, it was much more of I loved music, but I could tell you what I don't like hmm. way faster than I could tell you what I do like. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, so what were the records that were not inspiring to you? Journey, man. Um, no kidding. I gotta tell you, I could not. Um, I, I cannot thank, uh, both my parents more for playing music that I just don't like. Um, and, and that's okay. Uh, it, you know, it has nothing to do with them or knowing me or not knowing me or, or whatever, you know, they listened to what they like and what was happening for them. Um, and you know, that that's what happened is they, they were playing things like journey in the home. Um, and I was not into it. Now they did get into some stuff that I know that you're into that at least I enjoyed it being on. So when those songs came on, I'd be like, okay, cool. I will tune back into what's going on in my home. Um, you know, you you catch that first lick in for reeling in the years and you're like, okay, okay, okay. Interesting. You know, Um, so but, but I mean, I wouldn't call them similar bands, but, <clears throat> you know, guitar heavy, riff driven, specifically reeling in the years. But there is there. And we just talked about this on, on another uh, podcast, um, how that is such a unique song when you think about it. It mm-hmm. was, I don't know, seven, the, not the radio cut, but the LP cut, the vinyl cut of that song is like seven or eight minutes. There's multiple solos. Yeah, it's musicality to it. it true. Well, for sure. You can hear the guitars. I, I didn't know what made me want to tune into that versus tuning out the over sparkled and mm-hmm. over shined up mm-hmm. journey operatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. Do you, well, it's funny that you mentioned the operatic mm-hmm. thing because I remember, I, you know, enjoying Journey as a kid, mm. but I couldn't sing like that. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean. You, you and plenty, plenty of others. Yeah. yeah, and there were a number of bands at that time well, yeah. where I was like, "Listen, I I love singing, I but I don't have that range." And I think part of me was attracted to Steely Dan because some tunes I could sing, you know, yeah. or I could find the harmony easy in my own voice. Mm. So. 
And are you a jazz? Are you into jazz? I, I'm not into jazz. There's I have <coughs> jazz artists that I've liked because I dive into everything. Kind of became an audiophile. I'm sure we'll tap into that a little bit too. But um, I got into jazz um, to hear like real rooms and the mm. ways that mm. mono mixes can blow my mind because you have to be able to play mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm. at those points. Um, so I'm not into, I wasn't into jazz either. If, if we really want to do it, the, I think the best way to talk about this is to probably like skip the, the like <laughs> what was playing around the house origins because it's just going to be me being a pessimist. Okay. Really about it. And more like, um, how to say this? Uh, you know, you just had um, John on, right? I, yeah. I, I, I heard that one, and 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 you know, I feel like everybody brings up Zeppelin. You uh-huh. know? I feel like everybody brings up certain things in certain genres, like maybe like the Misfits or punk or something, you yeah. know. But like my uh, my Zeppelin uh, was like the Mars Volta. Okay. You know, my Misfits was the band brand new. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like I had a different set of once I decided that I was gonna venture for my own music, I, I dove pretty hard. Um, you know, like what is it? Rock started in the early fifties in Cleveland or whatever mm-hmm. the saying is, something mm-hmm. along those lines. But for me, um I think it started in What's the town? I, sh- I don't want to fuck this up just in case, but uh, Omaha. Yes, I got this. Wow. I, got this. Uh, I think for me, rock started in Omaha, Nebraska in like 95. And who was that? Cursive, Bright Eyes. Um, Elliot Smith wasn't, it, he was like PNW over there with like Bazan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. he was born in Omaha. You know, he drank whatever was in the mm-hmm. water over mm-hmm. there before he left. Mm-hmm. Um, got you. And, and something about, um, and you know, I'll get weird audiophile with you, but something about just like cutting the highs off of everything. So they're dark and dreary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also still being folk rock. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. Um, I, I, it was the, it was what I was looking for. That was not any of the stuff that I had heard before. It was almost like, I think it was like, uh, hearing someone that was Dylan, before and after the Newport Music Festival, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was people that right. knew how to take singer songwriter and and make them electric guitar songs or oh. or or driven indie. To me, I I think it's folk dark folk rock, you mm-hmm. know, which mm-hmm. these days I think would be laughed out of the building for a description, um, but. Are you are you referring to when you say dark? You, mm-hmm. you actually are referring to the mix. Absolutely, not yeah. just the so mix, production. but like they. It's almost like these these folks playing this indie dark folk. Uh, they could see the production while they were writing these tunes, mm. right? They mm. knew that when they got in there, they weren't going to be bright records. They mm. weren't going to be these sellable things. They were going to be kind of ugly. They were going to be kind of gritty, way too emotional for um, like a mainstream succession or so they thought, mm-hmm, um, right. you know, especially somebody like, and, and I don't want to harp on it because I think that gets too cliche, but especially someone like Elliot Smith, no way that that dude thought he was going to be able to make, you know, um, 
the amount of songs in, in such a popular fashion as he did, you know, no one's going to hire me to write meet Joe Black's entire soundtrack or something, you mm-hmm. know, like, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so it was very cool to not only see these people that were doing that, but then they, um, there was no expectation behind it and you could tell. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. when I was like mm. this, I like this. They're not writing for this other stuff that I've known my whole life growing up where you can tell that they, they, they were writing with grandeur or whatever you want to, mm-hmm. you know, say mm. I liked, I liked this. Mm. I liked this. You can tell they wrote it alone in the corner and then mm-hmm. they turned it into this other thing that was still never going to be, what all this shit was that I, that I heard growing up. And I was like, I, how can I get my hands on every bit of this? So I started looking up, um, Saddle Creek was the record company then that was like putting out a bunch of that stuff. Out of Omaha? Uh Mm Uh-huh. Um, tons of great artists, but, um, yeah. And, Hmm. and even when you hear them solo, um, Tim Casher is the singer and songwriter for Cursive, Connor Oberst for Bright Eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I even mentioned, uh, David Bazan, but we need to steer clear of that because I'll talk for hours <laughs> on Mr. Bazan. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, people will start noticing w- how all my songs are written if we start talking about him. So, <laughs> speaking um, behind, the, yeah, speaking behind the curtain yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's fine. I mean, everyone, you know, everyone has those artists where, yeah, you can look back and say. But I, when did production become a thing for you? When did you realize that? this particular production is is of interest to me i think uh this was this was luck but it was uh probably only like two two or three years into it um i started noticing because i listened to in headphones mm-hmm. i as soon as i realized i didn't like any of the music any of my family members liked or honestly any of the music my friend my friends were listening to like the charlie's angel soundtrack oh god when i was like looking for music which I'm not that soundtrack is fire. I'm really? not knocking that soundtrack. It's it's got groove is in the heart as the opening track. Like Great don't get too. me wrong, it's got I I love it. I love it. Um but you know, then I had to realize that like it's my own thing. I'm not mm-hmm. not going to push down anyone. I'm going to go looking for shows to try to, you know, beg my sister to drive me to or or, or mm-hmm. something. Um and so headphones was like a thing, um, you know, and it wasn't some big reveal. It was in like, and now he is intuitive into production. Mm-hmm. No, it was just, I started to notice it more, I think, because, you know, it's that, <clears throat> it's that moment from Almost Famous where she leaves the note in the, in the record box and she's like, pop on some headphones and light a candle. It'll blow <laughs> your mind or whatever. Um, that started to happen to me. You know, I started to notice that the records I was into were also mixed in a way that was mm. not for the, the, the popular mindset. Mm. Um, it was not these, again, uh, I, could only, I could only s- describe it then as glossy or mm-hmm. like sparkly or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Like mm-hmm. these things that to me just, it, it, it turned the key the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so it, it started when I really got into, um, I got into more mature, I think people would call them emo bands. Mm-hmm. Truly. Um, these, these bands started coming out like thursday like circus survive um brand new uh luckily luckily 
uh, I lived in Arizona, so the format. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Holy shit. I no don't know shit? if you've listened to format records lately. Well, not lately, but one of the first records that I got when I moved here in 2003 was that blue yep. format record. Yep. And I remember one of the lines was that, you know, the 51 is backed up and too, too slow. slow. Mm-hmm. And I, and in, in that was a, a style of music that I... I was just sort of getting into, I guess, air quoting indie music, yep. right? So at that point, it was Death Cab for Cutie, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I guess I would lump them all in the same thing. Sure. But, but I was starting to get into it, and I remember hearing that record, and 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 I mean, really interesting lyrically, really interesting musically, and it was singing about a song I had just moved to. Yeah. I'm sorry, singing about a city uh, that I had just moved right. to. Mm-hmm. So. I was like, fuck, I need to pay a little bit of attention to this. Mm-hmm. So I remember that moment. When when did you get to Phoenix? Uh I honestly I can't I can't even I can't remember the age, but when did I start paying attention to Phoenix? Yeah. Uh the same time you're talking about right now. Okay, it would have been early like two thousand. Okay. Yeah. 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 And but you're a kid. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. so at so that not, point, you're not going to clubs, you know. No, but yeah. but that it's fine because at that time, they weren't playing at club clubs, you know. Um, they, they, I, I hate to say it's it's a curse because I don't want to talk about Phoenix like that. I love the way the Phoenix music scene supports artists, supporting artists, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I really love that. I'm not going to down talk that piece for a minute, but I can say that a, the format is a really great example of because of their location when they began, you know, half their songs are uh, about getting the fuck out of Tempe, you mm-hmm. know, or, mm-hmm. or getting somewhere where they can get more than 60 people to show up. Mm-hmm. But again, we, we were kind of talking about that on the patio. It's this fortunateness for me as a, you know, 15 year old or whatever teenage you mm-hmm. want to pick for this, the, the portion of the story um, could get into places uh, whether it was just, trying to sneak into the mason jar or there there was a place called Neckbeards in Tempe. Um, I know, I know. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's Jesus a bunch of fucking kids standing on things they're not supposed to watching bands. Um, uh-huh. And that, that really actually brought me, brought me into it. That's, that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is, this is the, what I would like to be uh, mm-hmm. involved and invested in. Can we say that on some level, the rise and success maybe of these emo bands or call them indie bands or indie emo, I don't know what you want to call them, yeah. but they, it was young people making young people's music. Yes. And so a lot of their shows were all ages. Jimmy World still makes young people's music and I, and I can't get over uh, how well they, they've, uh, seen both sides of the coin here Mm -hmm. i mean i know i kind of almost mentioned the same thing earlier because it still translates like it's almost like they they see both sides of that coin Mm -hmm. truly of like Mm -hmm. hey we can still make this kind of music um they have a song called get right that i'd i'd highly suggest checking out i mean they're i'll put it in the pod a kajillion you know uh, albums deep here but yet they still make a, a song that sounds like it belongs on their like second or third record Hands will take their place Far from intentions made Disguised as patience 
oh, you guys are giving me some hope here that um, I can do what I want to do, which I, I think we'll probably talk about at some point. But um, yeah, there's it's it's cool hmm. that uh, you know, and a lot of it's coming back. I, I'm not sure I'm completely into the more popular stuff when we were young festival. Um, I, I do love the place those bands had in, in w- what I listened to as I like shaped through, but you know, I'm never going to tell you that like taking back Sunday shaped me or, mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. because that was too, that's emo in my head, you know, like that is when, when, you know, Bradford's like, should we call it emo night? And I'm like, no, because the hmm. friends I'm having here, they're not, it, it's not emo music. Hmm. They're sad songwriters. They're hmm. specifically writing songs that have these feels on purpose. And it's not emo. It's just sad, dark songs. Melancholy. And yeah. And, and they, they can't play them at the bar because right. they, they, that they won't get rehired. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's it to me is like, people are like, Oh, well, is that your genre of what you do? Um, n- no, I think the emo genre exists, but I don't feel a part of that. Hmm. Even if I, even if I have like a sound that people could easily, if they wanted to lump could mm-hmm. indeed just, shovel me in there but you also i mean but you've also mentioned that some of those kind of like founding fathers Mm -hmm. were you know quote-unquote emo bands right yep so yeah it's it's easier just to just to try to put a thing on it for marketing let's be able to really cast a wide net and Mm -hmm. call it emo Mm -hmm. you know i love the approach to distinguish yourself from that because i think as an outsider looking in I wouldn't necessarily go to an emo night because I don't yeah. uh, I don't associate with that music. That music mm-hmm. doesn't touch my soul. However, I have written a bunch of very sad songs, mm-hmm. right? So I think you're almost casting a wider net by calling it that. I'm hoping so. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's let's kind of fast forward a little bit yeah. and and from the the 2000s and did you ever feel because like you and I we we kind of missed the Tempe scene and I don't know if you you know familiar with like meat puppets and like early mm-hmm. Tempe uh, you know obviously Jim Blossoms yeah. and and um I was kind of bummed I was of an age remembering hearing bands like the Jim Blossoms and Meat Puppets growing up in Massachusetts and moving out thinking, oh my God, I'm going to this, to this gotcha. holy land. You gotcha. know? Yeah. And it was gone by the time. Basically I got yeah. here and everything on mill started to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were young enough that, you know, you, it wasn't really even on your radar nope, yet. Sure wasn't. And and if you would have played me the Gin Blossoms, I, I would have said that's, that's nice. I'm I'm not going to turn the Jim Blossoms off, and I have such an appreciation n- now for uh, let's call it like a roadmap, if you will. Yeah. Uh, that that let a bunch of other folks really kind of pick styles that came out of Arizona, mm-hmm. right? We we've all talked about that enough around here, I'm sure. Um, you know, like that 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 dusty vibe mm-hmm. that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I truly, I'm, I'm glad, um, not that I am influenced easily, but you know, I think if I was searching then, and if that felt close enough, I I might've, I might've clung to it a Mm -hmm. little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. so 
I'm glad to have missed it and instead landed in um, the format Jimmy World era for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this band, uh, this is a really weird deep pull, but uh, there's this band called Goodbye Tomorrow that came up right when I went searching. Um, and there's there's a few emo folk out there that are going to be like, you just said you weren't emo. Uh, <laughs> because they, boy, were they. Um <laughs> It was so great, and it was such a. If you went to one of their shows, it's it's one of the rare bands that could pull people out that made that kind of music. Mm. Um, so you'd have, uh, I think, at the Marquee one time, there was a thousand people in that room for that band. Wow! Um, and they were still technically local. You know, they were signed to like Equal Vision. I think a couple months later or something. But mm. um, yeah, what a what a what a change in the right direction for me. Mm. Of like, okay, you know what. Now, now that I think I understand what I'd like to be involved with, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to be in bands. Is is how that yeah transitioned. And and can you share maybe you know when you when you get to be of an age where you can start going to shows, mm-hmm. who were the bands and what were the venues? Yeah. Um, Do you remember a band called Fatigo? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. And this is this is just an odd thing. Um, my. Mike Montoya. Yeah. Uh, 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 my brother-in-law, um, his name's Joe. I should definitely drop his name in this podcast because he was my show buddy. Yeah. He um, he dated my sister. and Younger or older sister? My sister's older. Okay. By two and a half years. Um, and Joe older than her. And uh, But you would never be able to tell because for like at least maybe like a two year span. He was my show buddy. Mm. And, um, he showed me Fatigo, uh, at Carly's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even think that, wait, was it Carly's or Paisley violin? Um, did it be, had it become Carly's yet? So Paisley violin, the only Paisley violin I ever got to go to was when it shifted over off of grand. Okay. So it was not Paisley Violin when I was when there. You it, was Carly's it was Carly's. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that gives you a good time frame. Ish. Um, yeah. And uh, I absolutely adored it for the same reason we've been talking about. Yeah. He's clearly creating. He, he's, he's creating a niche thing that he does yeah. not expect people to get. You know, he wants to be misunderstood. Hmm. And I love it. Hmm. I, uh, I love that. Do you mean that? It, do you mean that in, in a... In like a lyrical way, uh, and the way he and the way he plays, uh, Mike Montoya does not have a. If if you were a drummer and you wanted to sit in with Mike Montoya, good luck, luck yeah. because it flows. It's part of yeah. it's part of his his style is mm-hmm. to is to flow back and forth out, yeah. out of things live in the room and in the <clears throat> moment and and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I I think. Uh, sometimes with the way he records them, maybe the, the, some of the songs I haven't listened in a while, but mm-hmm. some of the songs I think were a little more, um, let's take the train down the track, mm-hmm. but live, mm-hmm. I was like, this guy gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so, and he's so, uh, what, how, how to describe this free floating yes. as a person. So, mm-hmm. so then when you see him flip the switch, as you may, you know, I'm not trying to, I hope that phrase has been around longer than like rappers using it now. But when he flips the switch, I'm like, oh, this dude really gets it. Cause you see it, you know, like he goes from his, his free living and his cheeks drop and his, he like stares into whatever it is mm-hmm. that, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, the game. Um, and his so, demeanor changes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and not on, 
and I'm not trying to like for anyone that doesn't know what it is I'm talking about. I think he believes that's more his natural state than the mm. other, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. I, I, I feel that. Yeah. Uh, I, I also want that every time I saw it and right. I wasn't doing it yet. I was like, you know what? Damn it. I got to have that. Do you remember wh- where? Yes. Oh, so you, you say Carly's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Carly's. Carly's. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, one of the er, early in my career here, um, we would uh, often team up with, with Fatigo every once in a while. And they were kind of the hot indie mm-hmm. call. What, how did, I mean, how do you even label that music? You don't. You can't. <laughs> but they were like a, you know, a hip band. And, and so it was awesome to, to hang with Mike and, and, um, John Dela Cruz was the drummer. And, um, yeah, anyway, that, that was one of those early bands where I was like, fuck, this is super unique. He's playing a nylon string guitar. Uh, There's a bit of comedy I mean, like the polar oh, bear and it the was, scorpion. It was like, double comedy because, right. and, and I think you're going to like hearing this out loud, um, and it <laughs> protrudes right into my world, the Jimmy Eat World. Um, Robin Vining played with him that night. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you're... Yeah. Uh, those, those two with microphones is like... It's the funniest, <laughs> saddest thing you've ever seen, and I'm like, this is untouchable. Like, I... I could not have asked for a better night the night that I saw that. Yeah. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about, um, Robin is just like multi-instrumentalist royalty yeah. is what I was going to say. Yeah. Royalty yeah. here. Uh, truly he plays everything and with everyone. Um, yeah. And he's, he's also, um, you know, I, who's, I don't know if official member is the right word, but he, he plays in Jimmy world and did yeah. a hell of a job in that too. Um, guy can play anything. Um, I got to speak to him a little bit. I played a Wednesday Wednesday with him at Crescent. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, he also is highly introspective into other people's work. Him and I live in different worlds musically, but he still found 19 things to stop me outside and speak to me of that he really was intrigued by. And, mm. you know, uh, for someone who... 11 years earlier saw him at Carly's with Fatigo, right. which is again, a whole nother world to me for, for that conversation to even be able to happen was, uh, you know, one of many moments that's happened in the last couple of years since I started this, this band I'm doing now that I'm like, that's the shit. That's yeah. what I, that's what I'm, that's what I want. That's why I'm, that's why I'm doing this. Uh, yeah. because conversations like that, uh, you start to know, like, what you have and how others couldn't even like maybe buy what you're doing right now or mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, someone couldn't even the richest person in the world couldn't buy that experience that you're having there. Um, and I've had tons of them like that since starting to do this one with like intention. Mm. Uh, and that's it. That's yeah. <laughs> when, um, so, all right. So, when did you pick up a guitar and when, when did you start writing songs and start singing and kind of <laughs> exercising that muscle? Um, tiny, tiny backstory first. No. Uh, I hacked at drums, uh, my whole life till like 27 or something. I, I don't know what age yeah. it was truly. Um, I played drums in, in a bunch of what people would call emo bands uh, can you just share some of the names of these early bands? Because I love this because yeah. mine were terrible. So I just, I love um, to just air this 30 long. Oh, I think I'll do this one because then I can tag him in it later and make him um, listen to this. But, uh, 
I have a friend, uh, Jordan Cruz, who, you know, wrote great music as we were growing up in, in the similar zone. You know, I think he, he got it way before I did because I was just kind of wanting to be a part of a drum. Um, but we had this band called the Vegas Bright Lights. That was, that's not terrible. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, that's not yeah terrible. It's, it's not, it's not super terrible. Um, there was a, a project that I tried to start. I, I didn't have like high intention for it. I just wanted to play out and I mm. wanted to, um, write songs. It was called Lastronauts, like astronauts with an L. Okay. Okay. I liked that one. Um, okay. You know, didn't really do anything. I would say notable other than like write some originals we actually liked, which was cool. But it was it was one of those situations where it was like, yeah, you're basically dragging friends in to do it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're like, I don't want to check this and stuff. But um, yeah, I picked up uh, a guitar. For the first time with real intention, like, I'm going to learn this. It's it's too much now. Like, I, I, it is overbearing that I, that I would like to write some songs. Um, and I did that, uh, probably now, what are we, 2022? I'm just going to do some finger math yeah, real quick. Just quick, quick math. You have to divide by four. I think I'm on my seventh year of, um, intentionally playing guitar. Mm-hmm. And trying to figure out what makes a song I'm going to write good. Okay. Um, are you taking lessons or self-taught or I, what, 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 where are you finding this info? I have not taken a guitar lesson. Yeah. Um, and it's because as slow as it may be, I'm finding everything I need, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I think that just comes from what we talked about earlier. I know what I don't like. Mm-hmm. Y- you want to like, um, y- if I want me to move in the right directions, um, all I got to have in front of me is the ability to clear the way. Fortunately, it's a very fortunate thing. I'm really grateful for it. Um, I can clear the way of what I don't want. So when I'm making chord, I, I know why it works now, but when I Mm. started, I didn't know why it worked. I just knew where I wanted to start, right? Like I would hum out notes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tried choir and stuff in high school cause there was cute girls and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. liked being on stages. Um, same thing with drum lines like that, but truly you, you did like marching band or something. Mm-hmm. All right. Right yeah. on me too. Yeah. It was actually my only touring experience ever was on like a, this like world drum line thing. We slept on gym room floors and stuff. It was, it was a great time. I, I enjoy drumming. It comes more Snare? naturally than everything else. Quads? Uh, I play quads. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, again, fortunate that whatever's working up here in the old brain likes, um, things split up into different sections instead of oh, one thing. Interesting. Um, so I had the rhythm part going in, didn't even have to think twice about it, right. which I think, we, we, we would both say is a huge hill to have to overcome if you're going to oh, pick yeah. up a guitar. Yeah. If I was 27 or whatever age it was, uh, and I didn't have that, mm-hmm. we probably wouldn't be talking right now. Right. Um, cause that part was there. I could play with a drummer without knowing where I was on the, the fretboard mm. the second day I picked up a guitar because I could at least yeah. stay, stay in. Yep. Um, which was very cool um but also very very frustrating at first because um i know a lot of good musicians Mm -hmm. (laughs) that know they've already been down this road Mm -hmm. right um so it wasn't much as intimidating as it is i think it's hard to motivate yourself 
when you uh, just know so many so many people that are um, great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it was <laughs> two really things. Interesting. Two things. One, I I think you're right, and it's easy. It's easy to be intimidated by someone who can just destroy your instrument. Yep. <laughs> but I also think, you know, and, and we're very fortunate in this town to have a ton of incredible musicians. Mm-hmm. I think what it helped me do was find my lane. Hmm. Just find your lane. You, you know you can't do that, and you can't do that. So what can you do, and what can you do well? That was important. That was an important lesson for me. Yeah. The second one is having started on the drums, we understood rhythm for sure. and tempo. And bro, that goes a long fucking way. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know what I mean? So, you know, two really good lessons and two lessons that can sharpen what you do, mm-hmm. you know, in a really beautiful way. You're not going to be the shredder. You know, you're not going to be, it just, it really helped to focus what it was I was trying to do. And it said, don't worry about that. You're not that guy. Yep. Work on your melodies, work on how you play guitar, Yep. work on your lyrics, you know, and, and get a, get an understanding of production and, and songwriting and mm-hmm. crafting. And mm-hmm. so anyway, I, <clears throat> no, I feel for you, bro. That, that, you know, that's a very, but it's also like a, it kind of like squashes your soul a little bit. Whoa. Cause you'll be like, I, I'll never be, that guy it's just hard to tell people that like hey like i i know what i want Mm -hmm. is all i Mm -hmm. I know what i want to be working on and so when i tell people like i don't i don't jam right i don't jam i'm not a jammer i'm not the guy uh if you let's not let's not jam tonight yeah please Uh, okay don't i don't even even look look at that guitar (laughs) don't touch that guitar i'm not gonna touch this guitar there's no guitars we will not be jamming tonight thank god yeah okay uh yeah i'm not um i'm not a jammer uh but but when i when i do show people what i'm working on for how little of knowledge i have um i think you know, there's usually like a smirk um, from from certain folk. Uh, you know, I think Steve Himmelstein, Heavenstone, excuse me. Yeah, come on, get Mr. it right, homie. He's Mr. trying to. He's re, he's in a process of rebranding. You, you know, he would he would look at a song that that I I have written, um, and he would be able to tell me what mode I've been learning recently. Right, <laughs> you right, know, right. Um, because that's true. It's it's right. this cool journey that I'm really enjoying where. If I'm gonna um, learn learn a mode, you, you, whoever knows what they're doing is gonna be able to tell that I have something, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't have it or even close to that. There's no soapbox here, but I have something over the course of whatever brought me here mm-hmm. where I can um I have visions of what it is I want to do and and I'm and I'm pretty good at top lining on that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I and especially in certain keys, which is very mm. cool, you know. Um F sharp's a big one for me. If if I'm in F sharp, I'm probably coming up with some shit that's not recycled, that 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 hasn't been heard before and I feel so coming back to like how you couldn't even pay for something like well you could, I guess you could get lessons on that. <laughs> um but but I I feel I'm addicted to that now hmm. because I found out that I have whatever it is that can do that. You know, hmm. I, I like screwed myself. Do you mean it like vocally, melodically, whatever song you're writing in F sharp mm-hmm. is going to sit in your sweet spot? Oh yeah. 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 It's, Boom. um, I don't have to, um, 
I don't feel insecure. Hmm. You know, same thing with um, <laughs> recently I, I like got to finish like my first full length album over, which is really cool. Can't um, wait I'm to just, hear I'm it. like saying it lower so I don't sound like I'm being boastful or whatever. Maybe. Whatever. For, I, I know. I know. Full length record is but, a celebration. But I know. But like from hearing my story in progression, you probably remember being at that point where you don't want to huh. like be that guy. But. <laughs> No, no, it's it's a it's really a, it's a huge accomplishment to put a, a a number of songs on a CD that you've written. I don't care how many years into this fucking game you are, that's still something to be very proud of. And and being proud of it isn't boastful. You're just proud of it. I mean, you know, cheers. cheers. Okay, come on, man. Um, can we hear? Um, do you have something that you can share us a, a particular song that that we can talk about? We'll, we'll yeah, take you want little... an F? You want an F sharp song? I mean, I, it, I would feel weird if it wasn't an F you, sharp song. Actually, you're gonna like. I think you're gonna like this. Um, I tell this story a lot, so I'm gonna make it really short on this podcast. Come see me by myself live if you want to hear the story. But uh, I uh, was like doing a, a songwriting challenge for yourself or prompt or whatever you want to call it where you like pick something in the room and then mm -hmm. you know you can write about that instead um I, uh it works a lot easier if i explain something like um danny uh danielle dirac i think you mm -hmm. had her on right yeah yeah danny's been on um she was talking about at the sad songwriter recently how she like wrote a song about her dog and then halfway through she realized it was about her and she's like fuck <laughs> um i did that on purpose you know i like picked something and then poured all my feelings at it and it was uh it's ridiculous. You know those floating things in your eye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one that's like shaped like a safety pin in my eye. No shit. And I was like high in a hammock and I was like, oh, I see that thing. I'm going to write about this safety pin thing or whatever. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, whoa or whatever. Just high shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't notice though that I had missed the top string with the capo. So now ah. I'm in like this fakey drop E thing, but right. it's really F sharp with the E droning over everything. Interesting. And it created the whole thing. And I ended up writing almost the whole song in that hammock sitting sesh of like three hours. And I was like, well, fuck, I guess I have something because I did this and now I have to keep doing it. And and that's this song called safety pin that I guess we'll just like put here in the podcast. Yeah. Know. We're going to take a break. You're going to send it to me. We're going to listen to safety pin. And I love that you're so high that you don't capo the guitar correctly. I just fucked it up bad. I love that. It's great. I mean, the best kind of accidents. Yeah. All right, we'll take a little break.
Tell me a little bit about the process of this EP. And what is the EP called? Um, the EP was just self-titled. Because okay. I uh, had this theory about myself where if I put too many things in my way, I was just going to not do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, nope, we're not doing this. I know you, me, <laughs> you, me, you. <laughs> Don't do this to yourself. Because uh, I harp on that shit all the time. I think the most epic stuff has the perfect names for records and stuff like that. And uh, for this one, I was like, nope, fuck it. Just mm-hmm. subtitle it. This one's going to be Let Alone. You like picked this cool, what you think is this cool band name that does exactly what you wanted. Like, I keep it all lowercase when people put it on, um, you know flyers and stuff mm-hmm. like that because it's supposed to be what it is you know mm-hmm. you you like say it in between everything else it's like not the big deal on the page mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. that was the whole <laughs> that was the whole hope so um, you you mentioned that you you started to cut this in the fall of 2019 yeah and tell me about where and how you did this oh um so tidbit background before we get into the big the big big uh I went to school for audio engineering in a couple of places because of I didn't what know we that. talked about previously. Yeah. I just like had an ear for it. I couldn't get over the things that I was hearing and, and I had to know how uh-huh. uh, it was being done. So where'd you go? Uh, I went to MCC. Shout out to Andy Siegel. That guy whooped my ass. Um, he, he really took my ego down many steps multiple times. Uh, and then uh, I went to Crass. I went to conservatory before it was like the conglomerate that it is now where you have to um, sell a kidney to go there. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what the it's program pricey. is like. It's very. Uh, really? Yeah. And um, who's to say that the knowledge wasn't worth that the whole time? Because um, I use I use it every day, hmm. to be honest with you. Um, Keith over there in Live Sound uh, was was instrumental in what I do um when I left both of those places to go do like internship type things I ended up in a couple of studios around the the town doing doing some work I didn't completely love mm-hmm. um and was sick of just getting like 3 a.m time in those studios mm-hmm. I mean for your own stuff yeah for, for I was just recording other people I wasn't playing yet then um this was like 2009, 10, okay. maybe 11. And, uh, it so made dipping, me your toe, dipping your toe into production or just mixing and engineering? Yeah. Mixing and engineering and, yeah. and, and not so much production yet because I didn't know enough. I didn't have enough, mm-hmm. um, experience of what would happen if, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. have that yet. Um, so I started doing the work that I thought I was supposed to be doing with my, my newfound, uh, education there. Uh, which combined between the two of them, I'm I'm really proud of. I, I'm really happy with with what I did. Can you? What was the reason for leaving MCC and going to Kraz? Um, and then going back to MCC. Oh no uh, shit! <laughs> yeah, well, because uh, it hey. just he, th- there's just some there's just different ways to learn is all. Yeah, and and one of them is very money and f- 18 people in one control room oriented. And mm-hmm. the other one is uh, Andy Seacliff's on you some, some shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, it, it pushed me towards that side because I hated being in the studio after that. Um, just because I wasn't getting to do what I wanted to do. 
which is your music it, or no, or it, just music that you are are into because uh, the jobs in the studio i wanted to mix i uh, wanted to track people right. i wanted to learn the shit that we're talking about right now that would have let me do producing but i wasn't getting to do any of that and nobody yeah. ever does i'm not trying to like feel entitled there i'm just telling telling how it went and what made me yeah not want to do it so then i got into live sound and in arizona one of those one of those things again right where phoenix just wasn't enough going on then to, hmm. to where people wanted to be working in live sound here it was kind hmm. of shit work a lot of the time hmm. and um can you say any of the clubs yeah yeah definitely and well not even the clubs it's more of like the companies you know mm. and, and i did a couple of stints with a couple of them um easy audio uh rhino uh where you know if you were there on the right night you get to run monitors mm. um mm. and and you know it i got a lot more opportunities doing that than i ever did in any of the like studios i tried to to work for or whatever mm-hmm. um and so that pushed me that way and I'm pretty grateful for it because it let me um be out at shows too mm. which was mm-hmm. really cool for me because I was already doing that like that was that right. was kind of my thing anyways um and so to work and do that was pretty cool you know you get weird shit that happens like you show up and there's way too many people there so they put you on like spot for the night and your spot job is to like spotlight Mark McGrath for Sugar Ray at the Scottsdale Quarter or some shit. And Mm. you're like, well, not the way I thought my night was going to go, but, um, okay. (laughs) You know? Um, so, so just a bunch of uh, different experiences, but that all led me to, um, buying, buying my own rig and starting to dive into my own gear in like home studio type stuff, because I knew, I knew what to shoot for, um, audio profile wise. Mm-hmm. And so when I had gear in my hand that was shit, I knew it and I would return it and get different gear. Hmm. Um, and my poor sweet water rep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I bet you regret calling me so much now. Right, uh, right, right. But, but how's your gear? We don't have time. Yeah. Have time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually I mailed it back two days ago. Can you make sure that the, I'm keeping the money with you. I right. have it in my cart. Right. I just let right. me know when and I'll, <laughs> I'll buy some other shit. <laughs> yeah, truly, you know, and I was swapping out tons of different stuff over time, mics and interfaces. Um, and eventually, you know, I, I, I landed on, um, for, for, for geeks and nerds out there, I landed on getting this, um, Oh, two rack, which, you know, anybody could get right now. And, and they're not amazing. But, but then I found this company, um, black Lion audio and, uh, they replace the converters and the preamps in them. Um, and then you can get this other thing that gives you a better time clock and gives you more inputs through Spadiff, this whole thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I landed on a rig that I was like, oh, man, with the right mics, this is this can really sound good. Mm. Um, tried it on all my friends' bands and stuff for their demos, and it was sounding good. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, I have what I need. I need to stop doing this. Um, and so when I started making music intentionally, mm-hmm. I was like, well, shit, I, I have what I need to do this. And again, me knowing me, Hey, you, me, uh, don't let this shit be in your way. Don't think you have to do this amazing through the first run. Mm. Just go do this and you know what to do. Go rent the other outboard gear that you need. Go get a nice LA two, whatever you want. Um, fast, slow compressor set, just bring it, rack it and do it right. 
um, either buy and return, you know, rent mics mm-hmm. from Guitar Center. Right. Totally did that for yeah. that. Um, yeah. There's no way I would be able to afford what we used um, <laughs> for for making the CP. Um, but I was, love the rental program at Guitar Center. Yeah. Shout out Guitar Center. <laughs> Shout out. You guys are still doing it, though. You're still alive. I would say they even know that that's the case. Oh, and, yeah. And it's a huge reason they are still in business. Right. No, I would say that, too, for sure. <laughs> um for real though, shout out to them because they they don't even blink. Right. Uh, if you bring it back and and they can tell you didn't fuck it up, then it's cool. Um, right. So we rented a cabin out in Star Valley, which I think is like almost to in between like Prescott and Globe or something. Okay. Uh, okay. Out in the hinterlands. Yeah. Uh, okay. And and you know we got to this cabin and and I had searched forever because I wanted a full wood A frame. You know I had I had this picture in my mind and we got there. You know, pessimist me was stumped because we got there and I had nothing to complain about. Wow. Um, the furniture in the room was very scarce. There was like two things we had to move around. Yeah. Uh, and then we just set the drum kit up um, and like the baffling boards we made. And, and I was kind of showing you the geeky thing um, outside where I basically just ripped off Oceanway and Barefoot Studios. They have a um, drum umbrella. It's like a giant hoisted umbrella you can lift up and down above the drum set to to get more or less of the room huh. make each of your songs drums sound different. I'm a very right. drum forward mixing yeah. kind of human being. Yeah. Um so you could hear it, you know, and like not that I expect you to dig, but it, if you wanted to, you'd be able to hear different rooms on each of the songs. Uh, no, that's it. that's incredible. Cool. It's it and it's really an interesting way. I I've never heard of that before. So and it makes a lot of sense, right? If you want a tighter sound, mm-hmm. drop it lower. If you want a, a, a bigger sound, yeah. you raise it up and you get more of that room. Mm-hmm. Yep. Super cool. I never heard of that before. It was. It, it did the thing so well. It looked terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but, it was a death um, trap. Yeah. But, but um, uh, Justin, who is uh, the drummer of the band, who is also my nephew and my roommate, there's a lot oh, tying wow. in there. That's really wonderful keep it in the family yeah <laughs> yeah um so uh we we you know we knocked it out in a couple couple days i think we did three days for six songs which <clears throat> you know if you're <clears throat> regular musicians which everyone else around me was uh no problem for me it was a big deal because i've never done anything like that right? were you were you you're just tracking you're not mixing not at this point yet. right you're, you're so who's tracking while you're Doing anything or how did, how did you do it? I taught I taught Justin just enough about Pro Tools to be able to hit the, hit the space, space bar, space bar yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. Um, control S and yeah, and space bar. <laughs> uh, this is how you punch me in. Um, and you've okay. got good. You're the drummer, so you've got the timing to punch uh-huh. me in and out. Here's where I want it. Let's go. And why do you? One thing I love about Logic is is that easy scrub. <laughs> Easy scrub, uh, fuck comping. I I'm a comp fiend. Um, not maybe not instrumentally, but um, vocally. I, I have a friend named John that could attest to this, and when he listens to it, he'll probably laugh. But uh, that could attest Shout to out John. Yeah, uh, he's in a band called Damn the Weather. They're pretty good. Uh, and I I'm just a fiend. He decided to um, come over w- one day because I offered. I was like, man, you Wait. can come comp with me if you want. Oh, um, I see. 
but, but be be forewarned. Uh, we're going to be 150 comps deep in an hour. No, truly, uh, I love it. I'm and I'm very quick. You know, I I know Pro, I've known Pro Tools for and and Quick Keys for for a long time. Um, and auditioning audio and placing them, you know, it it's a really fast process with me, and I love you, you know wild things or. Um, my friend Nate, who I hope we get to, to talk about that and him would call it quirk. You know, he's like always looking for the quirk and I like hmm. just stole that straight from him now. Um, so I like, uh, I'll just, you know, even if we got it, I'm like two more comps just for, let's just pick you, the fun. You mean you want that, that idiosyncrasy, you want that break in your voice. Yeah. You want that. I want the weirdness. Okay. Got yeah. you. Um, and I, I, I do it best to myself than any other person, which is also super fortunate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I mean, uh, I, I did the vocals by myself. I didn't do them at the cabin okay. because, because that's, that's harder. I can't, I, I didn't have enough time to teach Justin what I needed to, to, to comp. So it was, <laughs> so. so it was four is just four people. Yeah. And so basically, literally, someone would just hit space bar, mm. and you guys would run it down, and you weren't even behind. No, we we did individual console? we did individual tracking. No shit. Yeah, um, but I I am um, <laughs> stickler. Uh, we I I had us planned out of like what parts we were going to do in what order. Like you, you know you know the classic checkerboard, and you mark off yeah. what you've done and everything. Yeah. Um, so going into that, everybody knew when their turn was, what they were going to be doing when. So no live recording. No live recording. We it, went, we went piece piece by piece, instrument by instrument. Wow. From like nine in the morning to like three thirty at night every night. Three thirty in the afternoon or uh, in the a. morning. A.M. Yeah. Wow. So yep. long days. Yeah. Um, what and why not just track the rhythm section and then add the guitar? And then next song, and in then and then you could take it home. And sorry, I'm, I'm now, no, no, now I'm taking apart your your process, but but it just seems like mm-hmm. it, you know if if time is an issue, if space is an issue, if your job, you know how how can you do your job best if you're switching hats? Uh, this is you know that that's just hubris. No, <laughs> no, um, it was it was. Uh, I we all liked the idea of it. Mm-hmm. We all liked the idea of being good enough to do that in that time frame. Um, but doesn't but don't songs change? Like, listen, mm-hmm. you, you walk in mm-hmm. to this project, you have it all in your head, right? Had they even heard these songs kind of fleshed out? Uh-huh. Yeah. So musically, I let them hear everything, but this is going to be really like I know I'm. I, uh, mentioned Mars Volta and this is going to get Omar Rodriguez Lopez real fast on his production. Uh, they had heard some of the lyrics to some of the songs, but some of them, they had never even heard the lyrics. We had just run it down um, with maybe they'd heard hum melodies, things like that. Mm-hmm. We had just run just the music so much. Okay. And we had done, um, uh, you know, pre-work or, mm-hmm. you know, pretend i said the right word there to to make it sound like i know what i'm talking about like rehearsal no we pre-tracked basically the ep um so man i mean so made some convincing demos or absolutely okay Uh, almost like less like demo more like where are we gonna pre-production yeah pre-pro 
<laughs> Pre-pro. Got it. You know, just it. fixing in post, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make me look good, baby. Uh, so, so we we did that. We did the full pre-pro where it was like, okay, so we can't do that first because we need this because Justin's cued off of that or I'm cued huh. off of this. or huh. So really... Um, we, we kind of did that and we all liked this way. Um, yeah. it was working for us. Yeah. So I did it that way. Uh-huh. Um, and when we got there, we, we were pretty fucking hyped. Everybody was moving fast. Everything was awesome. Our friend Val came out and spent the weekend with us with the camera. So we've got a lot of cool, um, like, yeah, footage yeah, of that time and yeah. stuff. And who, I'm sorry, who all is on this record? Um, so, uh, my nephew, roommate, best friend, Justin, uh, Jeremy, um, they used to be in a band together, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then uh, Alan, he's on bass on Full Rod, uh, who used to be in a project called Terra Fractal. Uh, Jeremy and Justin used to have a project together called Whisper Engine. And uh, before this record and before me intentionally trying to write songs, they were in their own bands, and um, I recruited them to do this Cover the Crescent uh, Incubus Night. And we were practicing for that all the time and, uh, it was going well, you know, they had their own band things, but then we would all come together and practice the Incubus thing. And then when the Incubus thing was done, um, Alan's band wasn't really happening as much anymore. Hard hard to say there. I, I don't know all the things about it. And Justin and Jeremy were kind of playing less and, you know, we met anyways because everyone was like, you want to just jam? And I was like, sure. And, um, you know, I like start playing one of my licks. Uh, I, we can talk all we want about me not knowing what I was doing, but truly I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to pick this lick. And sure enough, you know, Jeremy across the room was like, hey, you know what? Uh, you want to play that? And I was like, oh, what? Oh, so funny that you should you wanna, it. So you want to play this? Oh, my God. You wanna... This lick right here? I don't know. So basically deal. I just tricked everyone in my band into being in my Band. Into being in your band, yeah, and um, and the cover, the, uh, the cover, the crescent was uh-huh. all incubus, yeah, all incubus, mm-hmm. uh, from like early to to late. And what'd you play? Um, I sang. I was not even really what confident song? enough to put uh, all so many. We had like a twenty-two song set, I think. Holy shit! Yeah, we went all the way from science up to like some of the newer stuff. Even though a lot of us might not like that, there was a couple that we played because people would have liked it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was cool, man. Yeah. Um, and, and I can like, you know, on, on the right song in the right day, I do a pretty mean, um, Brandon Boyd, which is kind of how that all happened or whatever. Um, but yeah, then I I just convinced them to be in my band by tricking them. Uh, and you know, at first it started with, Hey, I have this stuff. I would like you to play on it. And um, I'm not going to say say no to things specifically, mm-hmm. but I am going to reshape them to hopefully fit in w- what I'm seeing here, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um, I got a lot of trust I didn't deserve, uh, or not deserve, I guess. Uh, it wasn't warranted yet for me to be able to do what I was doing, mm-hmm. but it was cool because they all just wanted to create at mm-hmm. the time. I, you know, or so it seemed because everybody just kept showing up, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we, we liked what we were doing and it was getting cooler and everybody was starting to understand what I was doing about two songs in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then that became intentional where we're like, okay, well 
should we bring your rig over and just kind of live track what we've got going on just to make sure we're in the right zone? Mm-hmm. Um, and after, I think it was like the second time we did that, we were like, well, I guess we're fucking doing this now. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, I think six months later, not long, six months probably. And we had six songs and, uh, I was like, cool, you guys, I will pay for absolutely everything. You guys just show up. You want to go track this in a cabin. Again, me doing like the, hey, me, don't let you get anything in the way, okay? Mm-hmm. So I booked the whole cabin, um, you know, bought a bunch of groceries, bunch of beer, most of stuff, you know, you know the game. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, everybody got there, and we knocked it the fuck out, which is really cool. And what is the plan for the release? Um, so that one we already released, uh, but there there was this plan because it was in 2019, right, for that EP. Um, Wait, so you can hear it on Spotify, the whole yes, thing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, what, this, te- this EP. Mm-hmm. Okay. Marcus yeah. Rushmore. Yeah, Let let Alone is the band. Let Alone is yeah. the band. Yeah. yeah. And um, we tracked it in fall of 2019. Um, Good timing, though. Yeah. You know? The best timing. Yeah. Timing was uh, pretty I, killer put myself in a mixing hole for like three months i was like i'm gonna mix this thing myself too yeah and then i'll have it mastered by um matt keller at the time was my my thought i don't know if you've heard his name um he does so much he's done so much forever shout out matt keller when we were in emo bands when we were young he used to do this thing called Matt in a box where he would come out and record our bands for like no money in a case of beer whoa but now he does like the main um my buddy Gabo does a lot of stuff with them. Um, we are there, there's so much. I, I this list could be forever. He mm. deserves everything he's getting. Uh, but that was the original plan. Was like me even take the helm on the other things that that I you know use my use my knowledge and uh, mix the whole thing. Um, went to try to have Matt master it. And uh, while that was happening, I had a friend um, Trevor. He's in a band called Sundressed. Mm. Uh, shout out to Trevor because. He put me in touch with um, someone that he he knew I love. We'd seen each other at their their shows. Um, he got to open for them, which was cool. Uh, it's a band called All Get Up. And so I have this thing mixed, and I'm getting ready to hand it off to, to Matt for mastering. Actually, I had. He had it in his hands. And uh, Trevor was like, hey, uh, Nate from All Get Out is like looking to mix bands with like certain sound or whatever. He wants to hear him, and then maybe he'll take on the projects. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, fuck me yeah Mm. let's now this is a guy like um i like manchester orchestra a lot and i promise this is going to tie in i like manchester orchestra a lot i have a story about like my favorite show we could talk about if we wanted to um where that guy is like my andy hole the singer of that band is like my i'm trying not to pigeonhole you but i I think you'll appreciate this one he's my ray Lamontane. <laughs> yeah. He, that's who is that? Is that fine? Does that like, do you yeah, see it, where I'm going with that? It, of like, it certainly registers right where someone is in my lane. Yeah. Um, the second person in line, the whole fucking world, the second person in line for me after Andy Hull, um, is this, is this dude, Nate that we're talking about right now. So I was like, sure. You know, if you want to, yeah, I guess, you know, if he, Maybe he wants to mix my record, even though I just spent three and a half months slaving. Right. I mean, right. not talking to fucking anyone. Right. Like my mom texting me to see if I'm okay because right. I'm out on the patio pacing to see if like the hats need to move 
10 more degrees pan to the left. You know right. what I mean? For right. the next month. Um, right. So, you know, and then I hit up Matt, Matt Keller, who was in the band Lydia, by the way. And it still is if they're still doing things. And I was like, Hey man, like, what do you think? Should I do this? And he was like, that's my dude. And I was like, Oh fuck. Okay. Well, um, and then, you know, it was really cool. Nate was like, you know, let me know how much money you have in your bank account and I'll do it for that, which was really fucking cool. And You're like $13. <laughs> no, it was, it was enough of an amount to where I felt okay because I think he could already tell that I was going to, you know, I was going to work with him for forever. And he was right, right um, because he just gets, he knew, he was like, send me that safety pin shit or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, nonchalantly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm working and on my lunch hour, I send it to him at 8 a.m. And yeah. on my lunch hour, he sends me back his rough mix that he put into like, you know, he, everybody has their like sessions and their presets that they'll do yeah. naturally and stuff. And this version that I got back, I shit you not, is like a hop skip away from what you just probably heard on this, this podcast. Uh, The dude's good and he got us and he um, is so, so kind for um, how far under his wing I am Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Um, So he mixed it uh, and mastered it for us because he he was getting into that side of it too. And I loved, I loved the job he did on both, both things. Um, I know just enough about mastering to tell when it's good, Mm -hmm. especially when it's my shit. And I know exactly how much headroom I've left and Hmm. how the envelope of everything is still shaped. Correct. There's, there's, that's a world, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a world. But, um, so then, you know, he did that. And, um, so we had a record, you know, we had a record, uh, and so it was okay all of a sudden, you know, that pandemic hit, uh, even though the record was done, I now was like, well, I don't care if the pandemic hit because one of my fucking idols is mixing my record or, you know, in between tours and over the next six months mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so fucking worth it. Every, every, every moment of waiting for that was absolutely worth it because it came out, uh, what I wanted and then some, Hmm. which was very fucking cool. Uh, it it bought me a lot of creative grace with myself Hmm. to hear that not only it came out well, but that, you know, it's shit in shit out. Right. So the fact Mm -hmm. I actually tracked something that well too, Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. when someone got to bring things to light, there wasn't shit being polished right um right and so then you have this person who who you know you revere so much uh that not only wanted to be a part of it but then had to listen to it seven thousand times and still liked it and you and 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 in the end result reassures all your hard work correct right i mean that's yeah i guess that's what i mean by creative grace i don't know why that phrase came to me specifically but it was like a uh I bought myself a lot of room of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I still, I now think of myself as a musician. Um, hmm. now when that was done, I still didn't. I was hmm. like, okay, so you have something, you've made something you actually are proud of, which you didn't think was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So now, let's see if you can play it out and other people are interested too. And, and it was cool. A lot of people showed interest. Um, people sing certain parts of the songs and shit, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the spot where you're like, okay, this is good. 
um, w- whatever range that means. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's not bad. Um, it's good. Um, there's there's uh, there's even some people that think it's fucking awesome, and that's cool too. I'm like, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for thinking that. A little over ten years ago. I met Eric Nadell. He was in town uh, for work, and he happened to go to the Rhythm Room, and he saw my band, The Voce Project, and, and we kind of struck up a friendship. You might know Eric Nadell as the Hall of Fame radio announcer for the Texas Rangers. I know him as a friend and uh, a real, a true lover of music. And every... You know, a couple times a year, he'll bring me out to Dallas to play some shows. And so this past weekend, I did a show out in Longview, Texas. I did a house concert at his house. And then he had me play at Cafe Momentum. And I don't really have the words to describe what that experience was. So I'm just going to let Eric tell you all about it. This is Eric Nadell, the music director for Cafe Momentum in Dallas, and also the radio voice of the Texas Rangers. Cafe Momentum is a nonprofit restaurant that hires and trains juvenile offenders when they come out of detention. These kids, for the large part, are homeless. They have not committed violent crimes. They apply for the positions, and they receive training in every aspect of the restaurant business. They also get their high school diploma. At the end of their one-year program, almost all of them either go to college or get jobs, and very few of them ever go back to prison. Once a month, we do a Sunday supper concert featuring a touring musician as the headliner and a local musician as the opener. Our last headliner was an enormously talented fellow from Phoenix, Arizona, named Brian Chartrand. For more information about Cafe Momentum, go to cafemomentum.org. One thing that Eric kind of glossed over was the fact that this is a a working restaurant and the food was killing. In fact, they asked me as the the touring musician what I would want on the menu and I told them about my love of German food and, and so they basically riffed on schnitzel. I mean, I lost my mind. The, the, the food was killing and they create a space for music to be a feature in this otherwise outstanding environment. It's something that I, I, I wouldn't have believed it had I not been a part of it. And I encourage you guys uh, to, to check out this nonprofit. And I'm really hoping um, that we can bring this concept to Phoenix. Thanks again uh, to Eric Nadell for bringing me out to Dallas. Thank you, Cafe Momentum. It's an incredible thing. And I saw it working. And I, and I hope that you support it. Please visit cafemomentum.org. No, I, th- I think it sounds great, and and what an awesome story of its creation! What an awesome kind of story about how you got to that moment. Um, I mean, obviously the the pandemic fucked everybody up pretty good, but um, I'm glad that you came out of that moment in that experience with a great record, you know. And, yeah, and you you put that time to good use. Well, and again, kind of like I was dipping into out on the patio um it's a hell of a motivator when you've done that to actually then go support it through the next cycle right now you got to play it out now Mm -hmm. you got to go through 
the bullshit that is booking and putting together your vibe for live shows. Um, we're a band that never just plays in normal clothes with normal lighting. Like every show we play has something. I'm sure some people are like, they're doing something else again. Okay. Whatever. Like an aesthetic. Or- yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we, we did like a, not that it's not ever been done before, but we did like kind of like a shadow play show recently at rebel, um, where, you know, we set up like a, a real Dexter ass, uh, like 0.3 millimeter, like plastic, and then had them turn off all the lights and we backlit it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, you know, or like, we, yeah, hmm. I, I just try to make sure that we're doing something where even if we're like opening, I want to like make people at least feel like they paid money to come see something a performance than, a show yeah, not sure. not just a band playing but a, it's yeah. like a performance it's a mm-hmm. something unique yeah and especially know. because i i really enjoy and i'm good at this and that's why i leaned away from it so hard I enjoy being the band that doesn't fucking talk, you know, like (laughs) we just, we just fucking play. Maybe I'll tell them our band name or I'll thank them at the end or I'll say something quippy at the beginning. Um, but I've known I could lean on that for a while. Uh, and I don't want to be that guy. I think there's, there's out there. Wait, you don't want to be that guy? There's there's a level to it. I think I want to be a certain version of that guy. The per uh, uh, the person that can speak. Oh, that I can, see. Got that you. can do okay. the draw. Mm-hmm. Um, that that charisma has never been. <clears throat> this is why. This is why I don't do it. Is because then I become a fucking asshole about it. But, <laughs> um. So so yeah, we just don't talk much. So it's nice to have the other piece be be something performance based yeah um put on a little razzle dazzle if you will so um yeah and then you know things just went in a really good manner of there was a window right there was a window in 2021 before the second wave Mm. and i fucking saw it and i pushed i was like we are gonna play seven shows in four months we're gonna do which i know to you uh, 16 gigs a month or whatever. Oh, I mean, but that's, that, I'm just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just that's not a, even yeah. a thing. That's, that's just a work in mother. Apples, you know. apples and papayas. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and so, uh, we did that and it was really cool. And then the second wave hit and everything was kind of up in the air again. And I thought, well, shit, um, let's just write then. So Justin and I got a house off of like eighth street. It's like in the Coronado neighborhood. And, um, we had a jam room there and it was really fucking amazing. All, all of a sudden I could just text him when I had an idea and he could run. He had a little back house and there was a main house between a few of us others with a jam room. And I'd just text him and be like, yo, you gotta come up here. Uh, <laughs> I could just lay the guitar down, but then I'm going to forget what the drums part is. Mm-hmm. And this one, I think if I play you this, you can make it good. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I drums are still very fluid to me. I can play, what what needs to be the base of it and then hand it off and justin is like oh so you were actually trying to do this and then he'll do it maybe not even the first time we'll have to drum speak back and forth you Mm -hmm. know a lot of stupid digga and chikita or whatever you know a couple little in there um and then eventually though even within the same night which maybe maybe you're more used to this uh but the same night having what I wanted for a section of a song be in place between 
rhythm guitar and drums is holy fucking invaluable yeah um to the point where you know i think i set a goal initially where i was like i want to write 50 songs before the end of my intentional music making thing and i want to like five of them Hmm. i have 22 songs our band has 17 i like five of them and more recently um two of them ended up on this newest record that i'm totally gonna talk about in a second (laughs) uh i have two songs now that i feel like are me as a songwriter Hmm. which is uh ridiculous Hmm. i like slightly smile to myself about it now um when i think about it because uh yeah, it's it's got a whole lot of worth to it. The, hmm. That motivation factor we were talking about is like through the roof because I like I like found it. Mm-hmm. I feel like if mm-hmm. you heard, I even actually then the first night that like tripped us into this um, of of me coming here was the, like the one I had played you where I was like actually this is what I sound like now or whatever, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I really really. Uh, feel like a musician because of it because Mm. everything in it was on purpose um and everything in it was found without having to hate myself a little bit while doing it i enjoyed every piece of the process um and i got to do it right it wasn't this hacky version of us i say hacky i should stop that the cabin was great it was a good time and i'm really proud of that but comparatively um nate from the band all get out Mm -hmm. the guy we were just talking about um once he's done with his other tour, you know, we hadn't texted in like months and he sends me a text. So how about LP one? And I was like, fuck yes. Um, you know, but I played it cool and I was like, yeah, you know, I guess, <laughs> I guess I probably have enough songs. Um, we'll, we'll start talking about it with the boys. Cause, um, here's the thing. He, he bought, um, an SSL board. Um, he got an investor. Uh, he's good. He's really, really, really good. Uh, I'm going to suggest any artist I know to him that fits in the niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he has some good studio hookups, but he's in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So making this 11 song album with five band members. Now um, I have a violin player, bass player, guitar player, myself and Justin drummer. And, uh, logistical nightmare Mm -hmm. Um, sure but what a great time we lost a band van in the middle of it we almost like people almost didn't make their flights in for their session points but we also got to do things like track half the record in the studio that like band of horses tracks in um we got to use the drum set from uh transatlanticism that death cab used that's my Uh, favorite death cab record it's so and you can hear i can literally hear the floor tom from that record on hmm. my record and i'm fucking what nerdy perfect shit so what so wait i didn't realize that there's a there's another project happening yes. already yeah it's already done oh it's well already done. It's, it's already done being tracked cool so yeah this was this past summer um nice. we the fucking crew we went out to North Carolina, a little longer this time, right? It was like 10 days, plus plus the vocal days, probably like 14 days total. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- what what a rad experience to uh, take on a full length. Hmm. And it was really weird, man. Um, I felt really good about 
myself the whole time I was there. It was it was a complete 180. Hmm. Um, I think I kept up with, and and in some facets did better than you know what someone who would call themselves a musician would have done. Hmm. Uh, I think I I came out feeling like I killed it on my guitar parts, and we li- I mean, man, there's whatever something ridiculous there's like 15 guitars on one part you know like Mm -hmm. there's we we really did the thing um and the vocal days i i'm i'm really happy with it which is that's awesome that's that's it that's what like turned Mm -hmm. my turned my corner of like now being like okay now I cut records. I think, I'm a musician. I think I'm a musician. Right. Yeah, this is this is it. Um, I went there, and not only did I hold my own, like I got to do this second in command thing. I, Rick Rubin has the best job in the entire world. Um, I got to do this second in command thing with Nate, where someone who knows what the fuck they're doing is sitting next to someone who knows exactly what they want mm-hmm. and has the production mind to get it done. Mm-hmm. So. I'm sitting second in command to Nate, who's running the tracking section, but me going, this is missing something and running in and changing out two of the symbols on the kit or saying, hmm. you know what? No, we need some like, we need a different sound of this to make it stick out and pulling hats off and putting two 18 inch symbols for hats for that section of the song hmm. or hmm. Um, literally going in and dialing through the amp head for the guitar to get whatever we need. Hmm. Um, just things of that nature um that's fun though man i you couldn't have like you you couldn't have wiped the smile off my face those days uh Mm. those those were some some really really fucking cool moments uh the trust the the me not looking fucking crazy for (sighs) justin and i have such a good level that even through through the glass right like over Mm. the board through the glass into the drum room into the drum room he could tell that i was before i could even say it he could like hear me shaking my head through the talk back (laughs) that we had to do that piece again because Mm. he knows i want something i wanted something specific and Mm -hmm. it didn't happen on that pass Mm -hmm. like there was so much that i'm like you know what even this part i feel like a good producer at least for this Mm -hmm. right for my shit and and i felt like a a good musician so it gave me both which was really fucking cool um and then as a singer too um i'm only gonna bring this up because you you uh uh know steph so well um i have never never really had any vocal training so it's it's not like i didn't know um where to go as far as to get good notes to come out but Man, um, I could not make it through multiple songs. Uh, I couldn't get myself sounding, you know, I couldn't get myself sounding like an adult like this. Um, I was really, it was really tough. Um, and, and I started to try to go to a couple people to, to fix that. Um, Steph ended up being one of them, but she was still in Tucson. I was kind of looking for someone around here. Um, bring Daniel Jack up twice. Uh, I was driving back from like, uh, there's this promo thing that, Myself and Trevor and Danielle, we were singing like a a boy genius cover that we never actually put out. But uh, we were driving back from that, and she was talking about how she was getting voice lessons with Laura Barnes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, I know how good she is. I'm going to do that. So I just hit her up out of the blue. I was like, hey, Danny said I should maybe speak with you. She was like, yeah, like 
and I thought she was going to be like, yeah, just come over and then we'll immediately because it's, it's her like passion. She right. like l- loves the voice as like a tool. Mm-hmm. Truly. Um, Laura Barons of Palo Brea. Yeah. Yep. Shout out. Um, anybody out. that's from around here, you know, you yeah. don't need to specify who that is cause they know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. She just started talking to me immediately then like, Hey, well, what is it you're trying to do? Like, wh- where are you at? What do you, just so when you come here, you know, like I like to be pro about it, but she's also hip. So she's like, so I can have my shit together or whatever. You yeah. know, she does her, her thing where she humbles herself, even though she's an absolute beast. And, um, I get there and she was just so fucking ready. She's like, sing me one of your jams. Here's my guitar. Go. Yeah. You know, and watch. And she was like, here's the homework you need. Like you're doing this, 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 and this, and you got to do this. And here's the homework. Um, and I took that homework quite seriously. And I would say within three months, I have never taken another lesson and I feel completely happy with where you're at. I did. You know, we, we talked about how crazy I am with comping. Combine that with Nate, who is even faster and better at it than I am. We were at like 212 comps deep vocally per song over four and a half, maybe five days. Mm-hmm. And at the end of those five days, I was not like, hey, God. you know, right, and I right. yell and stuff, right. you know, like I really, um, shout out to, uh, Matt Graham, Matt's Graham. He hit me with a couple, um, pretty good tips on how to make sure I can yell without my hmm. throat bleeding mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a combo of that really got me to the end to where after the last day I wasn't like, oh, thanks, right. I was like, Hey, we made a wreck, you know, right. like full voiced, right. um, fucking amazing. I almost wanted to just like FaceTime her and be like, mm, fucking thank you. Um, well, we're where can people, person. where can people hear this new record? Like what's the timeline? Ah, so this is the part here's, here's, uh, what do they, what do they call those? Like a, like a whale story, whale tale. Uh, it, here's the, here's the thing. We're getting nautical if you, or Yeah. Uh, or something okay, like, yeah. I don't, I don't even remember where I was going with that, but here's the, uh, the weary path that some may have to take that I would like to, to, to warn Y'all, this is, a, this is a cautionary tale. There it is. That's what I was going for. Courtesy. I, I, I like I whale Mo- tale. Moby Dick in my head for a cautionary tale. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I like I like whale tale. It's a whale tale. <laughs> it's a new genre of uh, tales. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I. Uh, Nate tours in All Get Out, and they made a hell of a record, and they are on some amazing tours right now and so that means for me um there's a lot of waiting mm-hmm. and from the first time i was like no problem waiting on that but the first time was like i didn't feel the way i feel about this record mm-hmm. um that one was an ep that i like did everything and whatever and I'm just gonna put it out in the world and try this one i like feel like a musician now and i mm-hmm. it's it is everything i poured literally every penny i had into it you know i was very poor afterwards mm-hmm. um for a while too so m- mentally i think i thought i was going to be okay and i wasn't with the waiting with the yeah finding some patience yeah. in this process um and it's not even the patience it's more of uh hmm 
to say. There was pieces of it I had I had to fly back out to finish some vocal pieces too. There, so every, there was a lot of it that just felt so unfinished to me when I put so much into m- making it happen and so many weird sacrifices, even just getting out there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, um, having to wait for something to be mixed. Um, no, I know exactly. It's tough, right? So we finished it um, in the summer, and uh, we're in November, and and again, I I would never have anyone else touch this. This is mm-hmm. this is him. It's gonna the whole thing is is gonna it's it's gonna slap. It's gonna Slapperino. be fucking awesome. <laughs> um, and that's it though. That's the hard part, right? right? Is I now finally am over that stupid fucking hill of self-doubt that always crept in so the door is finally wide open i get done and i have this great feeling of succession and i'm like okay this is a wonderful feeling that i've overdosed on now right but i don't have any of it and so it feels unfinished and this weird anxiety rolls right on top so they exist at the same time right uh where i'm so fucking proud of this thing and of my people and myself and uh you know you just uh the hands they're under the i'm, I'm a sitting yeah. on them yeah. uh, and doing the well where can people go to get updates on the the ep and this new record yeah, I mean the, the EP is just gonna live on um, Spotify. We even did we we even redid Remind a few me of, of the those. Band name? Let alone. Let alone. Yeah. Okay. Let alone. You know, like when somebody's all, well, I would never trust her as far as I can throw her. Let alone lend her a hundred bucks. Gotcha. You know, and yeah. just a little. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the EP will live on Spotify. Uh, some of them we redid because they deserve t- t- to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, Safety Pin is gonna be one of those. I didn't expect people to like that song. I put it last on the EP. Mm-hmm. And it's the only song anybody ever knows. <laughs> so we redid that one because it deserved a better Another swing. performance. It deserved a, I'm much more mature in, in my playing and my singing now and my choices. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so hmm. that'll be cool. We, we've been, no, I'm not going to say it that way. Cause that sounds like it's more than it is. I, I've been having conversations with people who'd be interested in, paying us for what we have made mm-hmm. um not even like deals just it's really whack out there right now it, it's it's really welcome bad. to the whackness yeah bro. um and 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 so you know a lot of people i've been talking to don't even want to start de- deals their question is well what do you have right what do you have to offer oh yeah they're not gonna do shit no. they want to buy something that's already moving Correct. so yeah, so well. um you know it's been interesting because at least the EP has bought me the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, yeah, if there's more like this and I'm like, Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be a minute, a minute, but th- this lane, as you'd say, but, but way better. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, it, you know, so the, the Spotify stuff will stay there for now. There's six tracks there and the, those are pretty cool. And then this next one, I mean, those conversations, I think, are going to determine how I play that out. It's very hectic because if you release one thing, just just to dip into this for anybody who has not dealt with this, and this may be common knowledge to anybody that has, but it's a very subtle art to think of how you're going to show off what you have enough without um, 
zeroing out its worth to the people who want to buy it from you. So if I wanted to say that this record is amazing and they want proof other than me just sending it um, via Dropbox or whatever, they want to see how it markets, things mm-hmm. like that, y- you know, you may have to try to put all of your effort into maybe releasing one single mm-hmm. and you do everything around just that single to gain the traction that they want to see proof of. But then if you're doing it for that certain person or group or couple groups or entities, then maybe someone else will see that as, well, you, you just released that single. So now we can't release it through us hmm. because you just did that. Right. Hmm. So, so there's a game, there's hmm. a game to be played. And, and I think, hmm. you know, if I don't start thinking about it now, um, even without it having even been touched yet on the mixing side, which could be months too, um, either, you know, double, triple cross fingers, knock all the things in the house. Uh, it would be cool to release this through someone who has decided it's worth it to market it. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't even think we really need to be, what a shit way to think about this, but I don't even think we really w- would even want to be compensated for what we spent on the record. We just want to, we just want someone to make it so we could put it out, not just locally. Hmm. I would like people to hear this nationally from a supported name, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Um, you know, things like that get you. Uh, on the on the fear of sounding like I don't know the world enough of it, but things like that have gotten me more conversations. St- stupid playlists or like it's not stupid um, playlists and radio stations that I love. Danny Cutler, what, mm-hmm. a, what a gem! We went on auto show too. I heard you talking to her. Um, yeah, Danny was Danny was just on the pod. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's she, awesome. She plays us like crazy. Awesome. Um, we we did a song called um, Stoics, which was like. Um, in support of my sister's a teacher and like, I don't know how much time do we have? Cause I have a rabbit hole. We we're, we're I mean, we've, we've got a ton of great shit, let alone is the Just, name of yes, the band. It's Spotify, on Spotify, and Instagram, everything and, else. I don't really care. Well, and I'm just so they can, just so they can yeah. follow and, and, and get updates on, on when the new record is, mm-hmm. is ready. Yeah. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it. I really appreciate your time. What a pleasure to, to sit down and chat and um yeah i hope I, I i can't wait to hear the new record and and what an awesome moment to be in um just as a creator i know that moment mm-hmm. and man i i miss it you know i i want that you know that that's a feeling that it's like it's it's like crack and then yep. and then and then you don't have it for a couple months and you're like well why am i so irritated all the time yep anyway. that's it that's i i know a couple people who would completely agree with you about me being irritated <laughs> <laughs> well marcus appreciate your time man I appreciate you and this keep please please i'm, I'm gonna do my best 